Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Attention all campers! The All-American Spook Show welcomes you to enroll in Camp Spook Show this summer. We have activities for all ages, including archery, canoeing, swimming, and running for your lives. Hello and welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. Will. Hey. And the Professor Smoke. What's up? Smoke, right now you're recording this from, where are you at? Are you in uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey? Where are you at? I'm in the in the woods in South Jersey right now. <laughs> so you're you're not too awfully far from where they filmed the burning. But... <laughs> That's true. Coincidentally enough, yes. They actually filmed the movie at William H. Pouch Scout Camp in Staten Island, New York. So you're still a good ways away, but you're a lot closer where you are now than we are or you would be at your house. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very good. But you still got to watch out for Cropsy. He might might be out there somewhere, (laughs) so keep your eyes peeled. Very, at least a coyote. Yeah. (laughs) Those Jersey Coyotes. Hell, I don't know. They might be a thing. Who fucking knows? Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, we're here to talk about... Th- this was my choice uh, here for, uh, you know, our every two weeks we make a choice uh, deal we have going on, our little rotation. This was my choice, and I chose The Burning from 1981. Uh, obviously, it sticks with the Camp Spook Show theme. So Camp Spook Show keeps rolling on through the month of August. But before we dive deep into this one, and before I toss to the trailer, I'll throw out some of the usual information. You can contact us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Slasher app, all that stuff. All the links are down in the uh, show notes there. You'll see the Linktree link. Uh, We have our YouTube page where every Tuesday, or I'm sorry, every Tuesday, nothing's on there on Tuesdays, I don't think, but on Wednesdays, Every Wednesday night, we do Deadline Horror News Live at 9 p.m. East, where we go through the latest horror headlines and everything like that. All kinds of uh, fun to be had every Wednesday night over on our YouTube channel. Of course, we have our Tee Public page where you can get logoed merchandise, other cool designs, and our Patreon, patreon.com slash Show, where you get bonus episodes such as Crapster Peace Theater. Uh, coming, up, coming up this month, you've got uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. So uh, if you like that for some reason... That's the kind of thing that you like, and it'll be, it'll be waiting for you over there at patreon.com slash Show. And there's a poll right now that's up through the month of June, June 30th at 11.59 p.m. for the month for what we will watch on Crafter Peace Theater in July. Those are Special Dead, Rim of the World, Camp Blood, and Heavyweights. Those are mm. our four choices, the four distinct turds that are laid out before you right now. So uh, help us pick which three we're going to flush and then the one that's just going to stick around and we have to talk about next week or next month, I should say. But that's not the only thing we have on Patreon. We've got Every Tuesday we've got, so that is the thing we do on Tuesdays. Ha-ha. But it's not on YouTube. It's over on Patreon.com. We do uh, video mini-shows, including Library of the Professor, 
Uh, we do spook show rewinds, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. So go check out patreon.com slash a spook show. So without any further ado, I'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for the burning. This summer, if you're planning to go camping, don't. If you're looking forward to midnight swims, don't. And if you're thinking about being with someone but no one can see you, don't. Because this summer, a legend of terror isn't just a campfire story anymore. They say he smashed his way through the bunk room door, just a mass of flames. Cried out. I will return. I will have my revenge. on whatever he can catch. Right now, he's out there, watching, waiting. Who's there? What happened one summer five years ago is about to happen again, and again, and again. The Burning. All right, so there's the trailer for The Burning. So I guess we'll go through some of the, the background information. Now, th this one actually had a few alternate titles that I could find. It's also known as The Cropsy Maniac. That was actually the working title of this movie. Mm. There was a U.S. reissue of the movie just called Cropsy. And then in France, it was called Carnage. It was released May 8th, 1981 by Cropsy Venture, Miramax Films, distributed by Filmways Pictures. Rated R, of course. Total runtime of one hour, 31 minutes. It was filmed August 21st through September 29th, 1980. Like I mentioned earlier, at William H. Pouch Scout Camp in Staten Island, New York. Which I looked it up. That camp is still open. It's still an active uh, camp there in Staten Island. Uh, for a The film was made for a budget of one and a half million dollars. That, that seems like a lot for this movie, really, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but the U.S. Canadian gross was only $707,000. So they didn't even make half their money back, roughly, on this. You know, at least as far as any kind of uh, box office gross. This movie was also included in the U.K. video Nasty, um, mostly basically just for the raft scene. Here, here's where it gets juicy. Uh, this movie, or the, 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 I guess you could say the, the, the um, plot was created by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Never heard of him. Yeah, this uh, this mm. is small, small name that you may or may not have heard of that was convicted for being a sex offender and uh, <laughs> wanted to do many, many horrible, horrible things to people over a lengthy career in Hollywood. Now he, you know, he was a big time, big time producer all through yeah. the '80s, '90s, 2000s, until finally, you know. Uh, Nasty. Nasty motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, I mean, we're not going to go too, you know, too far down the old Weinstein hallway there. But yeah, that was, uh, it's interesting, the connections here, because basically this is the movie that started his career. And I saw something, too, that like, they might, they might even go so far as to trace his history of, 
you know, being kind of a, I guess, maybe not outright sex offender, but like just kind of a sexual predator or whatever, all the way back to this movie. Apparently he was doing some questionable shit to a couple of the ladies, even on this movie. So it started all the way at the beginning for him, possibly. Which, you know, is fucking crazy, but, you know, that it's, that's the connections that you find here. Um, but basically, so I, I'm guessing if, I'm guessing if all the lines from the uh, blonde headed guy came straight from Weinstein. Yeah, you know, I started <laughs> I started thinking about that somewhere through. I was like, at some point, you know, and I put it in my notes when I was watching the movie. I was like, man, there's a few too many creeps around this fucking camp. Just everybody's just fucking yeah. skeevy and pervy. And then I was like, wait a minute, Harvey Weinstein. You know, like, <laughs> it's all making sense. Yeah, <laughs> he wrote like a uh, a treatment for like a five page treatment for the movie that ended up becoming, you know, this is what it turned into, but it was actually, uh, uh, based on an original story by Harvey Weinstein, Tony Malam, who is the guy that ended up directing it and mm-hmm. Brad Gray. Now, Brad Gray, he was, uh, I think he might even have went on to run Paramount at one point or another. So like, these are some heavy hitters. Eventually Harvey Weinstein, Brad Gray, uh, even Bob Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein's brother. He was one of the screenwriters. So like, it's original story by Tony Malum, Harvey Weinstein, Brad Gray, but it, the screenplay was written by Peter Lawrence, who went on to do a ton of cartoons, like worked on Thundercats back in the '80s, Silver Hawks, uh, all a lot of the big cartoon, you know, success stories, I should say, you know, of the late '80s, early '90s, and uh, and it was also one of the screenwriters, like I said, Harvey Weinstein's brother Bob Weinstein, who also went on to co-found Miramax with his brother Harvey. And he was also the founder of Dimension Films. So like I said, the burning, as far as just big heavy hitters in Hollywood, this is pretty fucking big. You know, like, this is where it started for them. Uh, they took, you know, I guess you could say success. I mean, it, financially it wasn't a success, but it was enough to where, like, th- they kind of got in. This was their way in, and then they just, you know, took off and ran from there. But I, I thought that was just crazy. But like I said, it was directed by Tony Malum, who uh, he he's most, mostly really like a documentarian. Uh, he, he directed The Riddle of the Sands in 1979, so that was right before this. A movie, a Rutger Hauer movie in 1992 called Split Second. He directed that. A number of other films. Uh, Tom Savini uh, turned down Friday's uh, the 13th Part 2 to do The Burning, which we'll get more into uh, to him a little later. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a, a, a number of times about Tom Savini, and we did, uh, especially when we did the first Friday the 13th, and a couple other things that we've done here um, but, with him. But yeah, like... He's one of those dudes that we most certainly need to do like a spook show spotlight on at some point. Oh yeah. Um, totally. This is yet another example of his work. Although this, I wouldn't say this was as good of a Tom Savini showcase as say Friday the 13th or, a, you know, a handful of other films that came around this time, Dawn of the Dead, stuff like that. Like you see better, uh, better examples of his work with those than this one. Right. Smoke. Yeah. And it, it's probably mainly that rap scene <laughs> the way you really, where he really gets to shine. I wonder how many movies pop on the video nasty UK list. Probably a lot. Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons that he was good at it. And they, they were so, so great about showcasing his work up, at least until the part where they started cracking down on, you know, slasher movies in the later 80s. By that time, he's kind of moving on. But, but yeah, up to that point, I'm sure there's been more than a handful. You kind of go along with uh, the whole thing of uh, it not being his best work. Uh, it sounds like he would probably agree with that, too, because... Uh, he wasn't happy with uh, the Cropsy burn makeup because he only got three days to kind of come up with it. Yeah, like that that doesn't seem 
uh, th that's definitely not a good example of his. Like, you know, you're thinking Tom Savini did this. Man, this guy's going to look gruesome, you know, but like. Yeah, he didn't really have It looks pretty time. bad. It's like, yeah. And, th and th that explains it, really. You know, it's as simple as that. Uh, if he'd had more time, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it would have been pretty gruesome. So worth noting here, maybe too, is not related to this movie, but there is a document, or at least a proxy, maybe some other subtitle to it, where it's, uh, I mean, they mentioned this movie, but really, it's a, it's a documentary about the whole folklore surrounding the Crofty. The real Crofty, who they think he might have been, or various movies that have used the character, you know. Uh, but apparently that movie, or that documentary, doesn't mention this movie at all. It never references the burning, which you, you think they would at least mention so it. Weird. Yeah, you, you think they would at least mention it in passing. Like, oh yeah, by the way, there was this slasher movie and you know that came out that used the name or whatever. That, that's like strange, too, because this is the first movie and probably hasn't been too many other movies that use the Crossy character, if I, you know. But you would think they would have mentioned it for, you know, that they... I doubt that there's any way that anybody involved in that movie could have not known about it. I mean, with however many people were making that movie. So, yeah. Weird, uh, weird thing that they didn't mention it at all then. Uh, but this movie stars Brian Matthews as Todd, uh, Lee Ayers as Michelle, Brian Backer as Alfred, Larry Joshua as Glazer. That's, it's mostly noted though, probably, you know, beyond just, you know, for being a classic slasher as, uh, the first movie roles for Jason Alexander and Holly Hunter. Now, Holly, Jason Alexander actually plays a pretty big role in the movie, but Holly Hunter's just, yeah. you know, camper number four. Over on, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if she had a speaking role. It was very brief. Uh, yeah, she, plays, she just showed her mug. She plays Sophie in the movie, but yeah. But like I said, Jason Alexander, he, he plays a fairly big part. Uh, Ned Eisenberg is Eddie. Carrot Glenn is Sally. Uh, Karen Houlihan is Karen. Fisher Stevens is Woodstock. And Lou David is Cropsey. Now, I think there were, like, I know the director, Tony Malum, uh, he played the role of Cropsey on the raft scene. So, and apparently, I think there was a couple other guys that played that role, too, because of the way it looked I on camera. I saw Savini swung the axe at the, at the end of the movie. Yeah, and I think there was one, one of the parts where it was Savini's legs. Uh, yeah. It might even have been towards the end. But, yeah, as far as in the credits... It's Lou David as Cropsey, which he would be known for, the, uh, uh, obviously, this. The Exterminator from 1980. The, <laughs> and The Last Dragon as, as the headline killer in The Last Dragon. So, yeah. Which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, yeah. That's a cult, that's a cult corner yeah. pick if I've never... Totally. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been... That might even have been one of the movies that we brought up when we're like, what are we going to do on cult corner? You know, <laughs> Last yeah. Dragon was probably mentioned in our conversation. Yeah. All right, so as per usual, I'll go over to old IMDb and look up their plot summaries to see what comes up. Now, we've got a, we've got a few here. Um, we've got the, the generic one. Uh, it reads, a former summer camp caretaker, horribly burned from a prank gone wrong, lurks around an upstate New York summer camp, bent on killing the teenagers responsible for his disfigurement. Uh, then we've got one here. It's brief as well. Uh, put up by Umberto Amador. A janitor at a summer camp is accidentally burned severely from a prank. Years later, he is released from an institute and returns to the camp with a pair of hedge clippers to take revenge on the campers. This one's a little better. Posted by Anonymous. It literally says Anonymous. Cropsy, an alcoholic. <laughs> I don't remember them like firmly um, yeah, establishing like, that, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Cropsey, an alcoholic, sadistic caretaker for the summer camp called Camp Blackfoot, is pranked by... What the, what the fuck? 
I swear IMDb is going to be the death of me with some of the way these <laughs> people phrase these things. It says prank dash ed pranked. What? The, who uh, spells pranked that way? Pranked. Pranked by a group of camp pranked. going, <laughs> camp going boys who felt it was necessary to get him back. The prank goes wrong and Cropsy is left in a hospital for five years. Yet to no avail, Cropsy is left to go back out into the world again. But this time, he is a changed individual inside and outside. Cropsy, back in society again for the first time in five years, which I don't know why you're repeating that again, feels more than obligated to pay a visit to some individuals at a place called Camp Stonewater, just across the way from his old stomping grounds. 42 dots. <laughs> 42 dots. Yeah, there's literally like a shit ton of dots. Not just three. All right, one more, one more. This was posted by Claudio Carvola from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. So I'm sure this might be better English than the guy that whoever typed out anonymous. Uh, One night, five campers of the Camp Blackfoot decide to play a prank on the mean caretaker Cropsy. However, the joke goes wrong and Cropsy is totally burned. Five years later, he is discharged from the hospital, deformed like a monster. And immediately after, he kills a prostitute using a pair of scissors. Then he heads to the Camp Stonewater and begins a, a crime spree. I don't know. I wouldn't call that a crime spree. You know, I don't know. However you want to phrase it. Killing counselors. and killing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, crime spree, I'm thinking more like, you know, I'm, I'm going to steal your money kind of thing. Like, no, he's just killing motherfuckers. He knocked over, he knocked over a few banks, killed a few campers. You know. Hell, he might, he might as well have. I mean, he gets out of the hospital and goes straight to kill a hooker, so who knows? Yeah. That, that might what did the hooker have to do with the story? Was, you never know. He, maybe he was burned over more parts of his body than we realized, and he was just actually frustrated <laughs> <laughs> uh killing counselors and campers will cropsy be stopped so yeah that's probably enough i mean they're all kind of say- saying the same thing really like prank gone wrong dude comes back to get revenge and yeah, it's as simple as that so t- really my first question is how the hell do they think that prank would end now where where did they that the skull it looked like a real you know corpse skull <laughs> like <laughs> I'm assuming that it's not. So, where did they? How did they recreate such a great-looking <laughs> skull that they put there? And then they put candles in the eyes for some reason. He's like, "Huh!" It, and it falls and fucking blows up and catches them on fire. Yeah, I oh, mean, there was, wasn't there a gas can like right beside it too? Maybe. I mean, he was the caretaker. Was it a gas can or was that the alcohol? Is that how they got that he was an alcoholic? Maybe there was. <laughs> maybe more, so. Maybe there was more going on in that room than I was, you know, reading into. I'm just like, hey. Uh, you know, it's a fucking skull that falls over and then instantly catches them on fire. But like, if things, <laughs> there's a lot there. It seems like if you do a prank to somebody like that, you're like, oh, fuck, this went wrong bad. Let's help him. No, they just stand back and watch him burn. You know? <laughs> you think that at least like, fuck, get down, man, get down. You know, and then be apologetic. No, they just let his ass burn and then I guess never really apologize for it or whatever. They just... They just hightail it. But yeah, really, how did they think that would end? You know, like, what was the prank? Like, haha, we scared, we got him. We just scared the shit out of him. And then they're just, yeah, they, they just said, well, let's get out of here. <laughs> well, that ended poorly. All right. Well, I, I wonder what's for supper tomorrow night. I don't know, but I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. So he goes to the hospital and he's there for five years. Like, that seems like a, a really long amount of time. Yeah, that's like a. That's a little excessive. Like, <laughs> and what, then, kind of, what kind of insurance does Cropsy have? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Apparently, he's got really good shit. He was able to get burn care for five years. And then, yeah, at he the, opted in. You would think, 
this guy would be like, you know, he's been in the hospital for five years. This would be the one the doctors would like, we have to prove that, you know, we can do, you know, we're successful at what we do. We're the best at what we do. Instead, they're just like five years. Well, we've done all we can. See ya. They just wheel them to the door and make them walk away. You know? <laughs> yeah. And what's the first thing you do when you've been in the hospital for five years? Get a hooker. Get a hooker. <laughs> Not just oh, get man. a hooker, just kill her for no reason. Yeah. Well, no. she, she falsely advertised. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's I, I the repercussion, I guess. You're right. I guess we didn't see the flyer where it says she takes burn victims. <laughs> Now, and, yeah, like, and the, was she not the least bit suspicious as this guy's? And I know this is before Dark Man, but Jesus, this guy <laughs> shows up. Like he's, a, just, and, he's got the trench coat and hat, I assume, like Ben Grimm, yeah, the yeah. thing, you know, walking up, and he's just hiding in the shadows and stuff. And then yeah, he's went, the he's the little uh, little character from the neighborhood watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then right when he comes up, like he cuts off the light, so that's your second, you yeah. know, your second clue that something ain't right. I don't I, I, look. Maybe maybe if she leaves the lights off during this whole scene, maybe this movie never happens. <laughs> Is that why he kills her though? Just because. Oh no! You saw me. Fuck you! And then, <laughs> well, that not her fault. It's been five years. It seems like you'd at least want to, you know, get your rocks off, and then, yeah. No. <laughs> no. All right. No, like, it's just like rocks probably burned off. So <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. True. He might have been a he might have been a wiener on the grill too long or something. You know. <laughs> That's why his arm looked. His arm looked like, you know, grilled up hot dogs. <laughs> That's probably how they achieved the effect. One and a half million dollar budget. Yeah. All they can come up with is some, some burnt ballparks and make it look like arms. Oh, and then... Probably like, he was in there for five years. Like four of those years were them trying to, like, do something with his junk down there. And they, like, they couldn't finally, like, talk if we can't do anything. <laughs> Well, shit. All right. Well, we're going to let you go now. And that's why he's pissed. He's just sexually frustrated. That's really what this is about. Maybe maybe the name of this should have been The Yearning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to refresh. For your convenience, we have an attractive refreshment stand with a parade of items to tempt your taste. Hot buttered popcorn, golden good and fresh from the popper, your favorite candies, wholesome and rich and full of flavor, ice cream and other good things to eat, plus ice cold Coca-Cola. So bright, so bracing, with a taste and tingle all its own. Right there at that at that scene when he kills the hooker and all of a sudden a, a thunderstorm breaks out. <laughs> I noticed that too. Did you notice yeah. that it looked like they used the thunderstorm from like you know Dracula from 1932 or whatever? The fuck? Yeah, yeah, like a little sepia tone lightning. <laughs> yeah, the old it's like damn, just put in some stock footage. But we've got a million and a half dollars. I said stock footage. Also, well, later on in the movie, talking about stock footage, did you hear the Halloween owl, you know, <laughs> hooting and hollering? That's not in the woods. That that happens a lot though, right? It, they used that in multiple movies, didn't they? Yeah, that, um, I can't even, it's on the Halloween records too. Like those old, like the Disney Halloween records or haunted yeah. house records and so many, like, that's probably where they took it from. Just one of those old school sound, sound cue records or whatever. And that that kind of thing is not unusual. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think I, I've heard before that, no. that, that the laugh track that you hear in sitcoms today was like actually recorded for I Love Lucy and then just use the same laugh track over and over again to this day. Yeah. 
but but that Halloween owl just gets me every time. Like that is the most obvious. Yeah, because I've heard it. I don't know if it's me. But I've heard that thing a thousand times. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's the same. Well, that's it. That's how you establish that you're in the woods and it's a camp and everything. You need the hoot owl. You get yeah, the, you need the hoot owl. Like the Star Wars screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you get the campfire story of Cropsey. Now that was done pretty well, though, right? Like kind of his origin story, although it's it's kind of not quite what you you know we as the viewer know is correct, right? It's kind of a a di- slightly different version of it that you know the, that they played this prank and then like fuck this guy and then just ran away. Like they kind of skirt past that a little bit, but um, but I th- I thought that that was done pretty well because then they play that again at the very end, right? Now it's a different set of campers oh yeah um so that i think that's a pretty good round you know coming back around kind of thing like here's the campfire story pretty good effective little campfire scare kind of thing and then it comes back around at the end so it kind of i guess it kind of goes hand in hand with that cropsy legend right smoke what you know that is something that would have been passed around from campfire to campfire yeah yeah and that uh also in that legend too there's did they mention this they didn't mention this in the movie anything that he was of course, no. He, I mean, he was a janitor or whatever. But I know some of the original Copsy folklore was that he was an escape from a, maybe not even necessarily an escape, but like a, that a mental institute shut down and they were releasing their patients because onto the streets, the ones that were supposedly not that bad, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that he was one of the uh, mental patients that had been released, made his way into, I guess, into rural the rural areas of New York or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or at least into the folklore rural areas of New York. So yeah, uh, uh, in my uh, notes, I noted that other than the random hooker kill, right at the, at the, toward the beginning there, mm-hmm. it was 40 ma- 48 minutes into the movie uh, before he killed again, which I, 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 I guess is, is, is pretty good considering they, they did a, f- they did an all right job considering, you know, it's a pretty big cast of like, you know, kids at the camp and counselors and stuff of like that, of, of giving you, some sense of caring about some of these, right? Like some of them are like, yeah, that, that dude's an ass, that dude's an ass, but they do a pretty yeah. good job of developing the characters here enough to where like yeah. you yeah, care, you care whether they, you know, live or die, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned earlier about the, uh, you know, there being a fair amount of creepers, uh, in this, uh, uh, in this movie, but you know, you've got, you've got Eddie and Glazer who are both kind of rapey. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and you've got not Alfred. kind of very rapey. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and you got Alfred who's a peeper. Yeah. So, yeah. Although yeah. that, all that stuff's not really fleshed out too much. Right. Like Alfred's storyline is kind of like, it seems like there was something there that they wanted to go for, but they never quite got there with it. Like, you know, there, maybe there's some reason he's, he's kind of a creeper, but is the, is what I kind of gather, but then they never really pay it off. You're like, no, yeah. he's just a fucking idiot. Yeah. That's really all it is. <laughs> like, to me, like, that almost felt like maybe they were trying to do the bait and switch. Like, maybe Banksy wasn't really out there. You, and it was, you mean you know, uh, Crop- Cropsy? Banksy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Banksy's Cropsy. out there. Watch out. And he's just spray painting the tree. <laughs> <laughs> just a girl with a balloon. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird because you, you knew that Cropsy was out there the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Like That, that one character was almost like maybe in an original draft, maybe they were maybe trying to give you the, the thought that maybe he was the guy Yeah, was doing all this just because he's so odd throughout the movie. Yeah. 
but it never really turns into anything. No, and there's or maybe no, they just forgot it and left it in. There's no real explanation for his odd behavior, like really at all. Even when, like, you know, so <clears throat> Todd, Alfred is the creepy kid, and Todd is kind of like the guy that's kind of watching out for him, too. Alfred gets attacked, and then Todd comes out to save him, but Cropsey doesn't kill him. And you're, you're kind of wondering, like, well, why the fuck wouldn't he kill him? But then you come to find out later on, you know, toward the end of the movie, it was because Todd was one of the kids that actually burned Cropsey. But Alfred, <laughs> Todd comes in, like, I, 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 to save him, Alfred basically just hauls ass and runs away. Then Cropsey ends up capturing him and kind of leading him as as bait for Todd to, yeah. to Todd for Todd to come along. But Alfred before that happens, Alfred's out in the woods, like yelling out Todd's name. But wouldn't at that moment Alfred assume that Todd is dead because he's just like fuck, you know, like Cropsey slashes <laughs> him with the head and then just runs. And then, but meanwhile, like, you know, he's done run like half a mile away or whatever the fuck out in the woods. And he's like, Todd, Todd, where are you? Even though you would just assume that Cropsey would have fucking finished his ass right there. Right. But and he was so traumatized that he just forgot. <laughs> he just like, he's in denial yeah. about everything. I guess I don't know. one of the big scenes here that, you know, should, we should mention and, and point out here is the raft k- killing spree. Ugh. I will say, although it's, a, you know, it's a fine, it's fine for what it is. It's almost like a physically impossible kind of scene thing, too, in a way. You know, <laughs> you would think a guy that jumps on a on a raft, a, a poorly made raft, with five people on it, this thing would be rocking. At least two or three of them would probably just jump off and swim away. No, they all just stand there in a killing row, just <laughs> letting him go to town. Like, hi, you, you, now you. <laughs> the the boat's not rocking. <laughs> you would you would think at least most of these kids would have got away, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <But> In theory. <laughs> oh, no, the whole, uh, the whole uh, physical aspect of him hiding in the raft. I mean, yeah. you know, because it's not like they're at the water level. Yeah. The eyesight's not at the water level. So they would have seen something. I mean, if you just cover up with a tarp, give you one thing, whatever, okay. But, I mean, they would have seen somebody hunched down, like, about to pop up. Yeah. And you know, a small canoe. We're seeing it. Yeah. And he's able to just spring up like, gotcha, motherfucker, and then stabs and kills five people without the boat rocking. Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. An excellent splatter scene, but not a very convincing, No, you know, it's, it's display like, of physics. Or no, it, it's cool for what it is, but, yeah, it wouldn't, it doesn't make any sense. Then you come to that, that final scene, the final <laughs> fight with Cropsey. Um, why was there fucking laser sounds going on? <laughs> Did you know? I, I, I heard that. It sounds like all of a sudden Star Wars broke out. You know? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. I thought it was just like uh, part of the score. Happy with the synthesizer or something. Yeah, big time. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I did also see like like uh, th- this whole scene wasn't supposed to take place where it, it happened. It was supposed to be in like a, a cave. And apparently, uh, after surveying the cave, uh, like within like days, the cave collapsed. Damn. Yeah. So apparently it was supposed to take place in a different spot and that just didn't work out. Yeah. I think where they, they randomly found that place that they ended up doing it at, right? It was like an old abandoned mine or or something like that. That final Mm -hmm. scene, some abandoned place that they, I guess they just, Hey, this, this will work. And then they just did it there. But he takes a. He take crops. He takes an axe to the face, 
and, and then they light him on fire. And then for a split second there, I thought he was still alive. Like I thought he was. Oh, he, he did get up and start moving. No, no, no. I, I thought so too. That was a flashback to them burning Cropsy the first time. Oh, because I actually, I'm that. like, what the fuck? He caught an axe to the face. How is he still moving around? I rewound it and I looked at it. Yeah, what they did there, it's just a weird cut. It's just a weird edit. Because it's like, axe to the face, catch him on fire. And then there's a scene of him running around. You know, the, the movie run when somebody's on fire. They're going, <laughs> swinging their arms around. It's in every movie um, that somebody's on fire. They're doing the same movement. But that's just a flashback to when they burned him, you know, five years ago or whatever. For some yeah. reason, they just spliced that in. And then you cut back and then... I guess that's Savini's legs, just, you know, him on fire, just standing there like, yeah, <laughs> the end. But I guess, Smoke, we'll start with you. What what did you think of the movie? What's your star rating? Uh, oh, man. I, I saw this, of course, first time back in the day, but it's not one that I saw a shitload of times back in the 80s. I probably saw it maybe three times back in back then. And since then, I've seen it, you know, including this, this time for the show, another three times. So I've probably seen this movie at least six times. And uh, I always thought it was, as far as, like, slasher movies go, in the eighties, it stood, it stands above some of the other ones out there. You know, there, it was so inundated with flash movies during that time that uh, it took something for, for one to really stand above some of the other ones. One thing is Tom Savini, you know, it's got Tom Savini going for it, even though, like we said, it's not his best work overall, but that rap scene man, that rap scene elevates it as far as, as we said, not for physical, physics, physics or for reality or anything, yeah. for a sheer awesome splatter scene. Is really cool. Uh, I like the synth score, of course, but I love synth scores, so got that going for it. As a killer, <laughs> Cropsy, it's got the folklore behind it. Kind of dropped the ball, not giving Savini enough time to really work on the effects work. So he didn't doesn't come across as iconic looking as Jason, or you know, as good a burn makeup as Freddy, or something like that, or as iconic a killer as Michael Myers. But uh, just overall, I mean, I I really think it stands above some. Of you know, knockoff slasher movies of the 80s. Uh, I'd have to go with three and three-quarter stars. All right, uh, Will, what do you say? I think I'm going to go with three and a quarter. Uh, a lot of good stuff in this, a lot of stuff that, you know, just never really got worked out, which we've already kind of mentioned. A lot of good effects. Definitely people should watch this movie. I mean, it, it's definitely a good flick. It's just uh, it didn't connect quite as, as, as well as some of the uh, you know other camp slasher movies for me. Donnie? I'm actually going to echo Smoke uh, for all the reasons he laid out. Uh, uh, this is definitely one of the best, I guess, summer slashers. I, I, I'm also going to go three and three quarter. Yeah, I think I'm going to land somewhere in the middle of all you guys and go three and a half. I mean, you're splitting hairs, you know. Um, it, it's a great one. It, it's it's one of the great summer camp slasher movies. It really is just an early uh, 80s uh, slasher period you know forget the summer camp part of it it's 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 one of the solid ones from the early 80s the golden era of slasher films right smoke oh yeah definitely yeah it's, it's up there there was i mean as i said there's so many of them out there that for one of them to stand head and shoulders above some of the other ones it took a lot of right things coming together i guess and this one this movie has that all right so with our star ratings out of the way donnie i'll throw it to you first Connections. It was like the let it finish, mm-hmm. but uh, let it breathe uh, like a fine wine. Not, I was, you know, looking forward when we uh, 
when you announce this one. Uh, definitely looking forward to this. But uh, so I looked high, I looked low. Uh, wasn't really a whole lot to really uh, locate on the cast side uh, as far as you know uh, connections to past. Uh, spook show episodes but made a couple of uh connections with uh tom savini like like we alluded to earlier connects back to our creep show episode um our friday the 13th uh episode as well as and this may su- surprise some people unless you uh, uh listen to our um i believe it was our last cannon fodder um episode uh invasion usa huh. we also did the effects there too so uh yeah tom savini all right uh will i came up with 10 uh you got the uh hooker stabbed in the stomach with the scissors karen with the uh garden shears fish with the garden shears Barbara with the garden shears (laughs) woodstock with the garden shears eddie with the garden shears or actually uh yeah uh, garden shears, Diane with the garden shears, Valley, Blazer uh, with the garden shears, and then Cropsy burned to death. That sounds about right. I was just trying to think of one that you might have left out there, but I think you got them all. Uh, so that naturally leads us to you, Smoke. Gore score. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, this thing is it's, it's a little juicy one for the 80s. Yeah, obviously it was juicy enough in that rafting to get on the UK's video nasties list. And also, as as Will was pointing out, and you don't really think about it before you see, you know, before you go in movie, is that it's not a whole bunch of original kills as far as implements, tools, mainly garden shears and burning. I think, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, despite that, though, just despite the fact that there aren't a bunch of different tools used for the killings and whatnot. Still comes out as pretty gory and pretty, and like as we said, our ratings are fairly were high enough to you know elevate this thing above the average, the average eighties slasher. So without all the various tools that somebody like Jason would let's say would use you know, to murder his victims. So. Uh, but yeah, that rap scene as the ultimate as far as this movie goes for the you know fingers getting lopped off, stab, people getting stabbed in the throat with with the gardening shears and. Flash with the gardening shears. Really, though, that scene is the standout as far as what elevates the gore score on this movie uh, more than some of the average slasher films. Some of the other ones, the kills beyond this scene were, you know, the, you had some more slashing and stabbing with the garden shears. And they were fairly gory, but uh, I would say overall, I'm going to go with a split here, hairs here, whether it's going to be a, a, I think a seven would be high enough for, I was thinking seven or eight. I mean, damn, I don't know that. It's high enough to get on the video nasties, but it's mainly for that everything's in that one raft scene as far as the gory bits of the movie. Yeah. Burnt scenes are burnt. They're not necessarily that gory. It's just, you know, the aftermath of his, of him being burned up. So I think, I think it would be safe to say, I think I'll go with the seven. Just because of that, mainly that one scene in there where everything's, if, if it was all spread out and there was a lot more splatter scenes and more areas of the movie, oh, I'd have bumped it up to eight. But I think it would be, I think seven's safe to go with. And also, I'm not at home. I'm on location, so to speak. Uh, so I'm not at home to, to reference back to uh, Chaz Balin, who is the father of the Gore Score, let's say, and his, you know, in his publications, he started the Gore Score. And usually I like to go back and reference what he said, and I'm pretty fairly certain this movie would be in that uh, Deep Red Horror Handbook that he would have given a Gore Score to, or the Gore Score book. Well, so, uh, maybe you can try to amend that. 
Yeah, maybe you can try to remember that whenever we do the fourth anniversary special in October, and uh, you can uh, add that little tidbit in when we're going through them. Oh, no, I'll reference it back. To that. I'm going to try and guesstimate, though, what I think. I'm going with a seven for myself, and uh, I'm going to say that Balin probably gave it either a seven or an eight as well in there. I'm going to say, let's say he gave it an eight. We'll see if I'm right or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Place your bets. Place your bets. <laughs> uh, but before we leave the burning... Uh, you know, in, in the fire pit there, I'll mention the last couple things here. Our consensus score after, you know, we all gave our star ratings there was 3.56. So as mm. a group, we gave it three and a half stars. So very justified. Now, as far yep. as the uh, regular aggregates are concerned, IMDB gives it 6.3 out of 10 stars. Metascore of 42. Now that's out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes on the tomato meter, 80%. And the audience score... Huh. It's 60%, so very high marks over on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, so coming up, coming up next, well, first off, next week, before Donnie makes his announcement, we're going to have our next Spook Show Spotlight episode, episode 114. We're going to be talking about the careers of Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller. That's the writer and the director of the original Friday the 13th film. And we're also going to be going into... We're not going to take a super deep dive on, 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 on it, because that could probably be a five-hour-long episode. But we're going to be talking about the drama, the legal drama, between the two and that involving the Friday the 13th series and the character of Jason and all of that mess. So we're going to take a little bit of a dive into that. And that's obviously something we've kept our eyes on over on Deadline Horror News a little bit when there's been any kind of news. But uh, I haven't seen anything new recently. So we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that and kind of uh, maybe, you know, for those that don't understand everything, kind of try to explain it as simply as we can what's going on there and, and why there hasn't been any new uh, Friday the 13th films, you know, new Jason films, whatever, in the last handful of years. So that'll be next week. But then the week after that is episode 115, and that that's actually going to be on July 4th. And, Donnie, it's your choice in the rotation, and it's going to be a new movie. Now, the criteria is horror movie, obviously, but it has to be a newer one. And newer one for us means 2000 to present. Um, and, of course, we're still in the middle of Camp Spook Show. So all that laid on the table, what are you bringing? Oh man, you know it, and I—I I don't think I was listening when you guys were uh, uh, talking about uh, doing uh, Sean Cunningham and uh, Victor Miller. I think I completely checked out there uh, uh, in my mental state or whatever, because <laughs> uh, I was not listening. But I—and we, we were talking about this off air, I believe. But I—I uh, uh, I had mentioned uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and I think uh, I, I'd said, "Yeah, this is a first for the show. I don't think we've ever done." Uh, you know this type of uh, movie that I'm that I'm that I've actually chosen, but okay. uh, um, we're go- so we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna watch Never Hike Alone, which is a uh, Friday the Thirteenth uh, fan film. We've never done a fan film. We've never done a Kickstarter uh, or crowdfunding, uh, you know, picture. So uh, yeah, it should be uh, should be interesting, and that you know just so happens to be. You know, right after the uh, yeah. episode for... Uh, well, it all fits together and it all makes sense yeah. because, because of Camp Spook Show. Oh. Um, you know, all, all these, that topic lends itself to it. So, yeah, perfect synergy by accident. Once again, yeah. we're, <laughs> we're the masters of that kind of shit. <laughs> Just <laughs> accidentally tripping onto yeah. something that actually makes sense. So, yeah, that that sounds like... I, I've That's one, because I think there's a... Uh, I'm sure there's probably more than a handful of, like, fan films. But I think there's been some good ones recently, like, you know, over the last decade or so that I've heard, you know, have actually been done pretty well for 
you know, basically for some dudes doing it themselves in the woods. So yeah, that's one I've heard of and, and at least two others that I've heard of that were done pretty yeah. well. So yeah, I, I, now I finally have an excuse to sit down and watch it. So yeah, that's a good pull. Oh. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be good. We'll see. Yeah. So like we said, uh, over on Patreon, we've got Crapster Peace Theater. Uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. Ugh. That should be coming out. <laughs> that should be coming out this Friday, June twenty fourth, over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spook show if you want to listen to us talk about that. Now granted, it's way more fun listening to us talk about that movie than sitting down and watching the movie. So just keep that in mind. I'm not I'm not even gonna say I'm not even gonna recommend maybe if you've never seen it before, maybe you should go see it. But other than that, if you've seen it before don't watch it again. Just come listen to us talk about it. And that's, you know, just, or you could skip watching it and just come, come listen to us talk about it. Yeah. All together. Yeah. Yeah. There's that too. That's an option as well. Um, either way that that's what's coming up next. And then of course our next book show spotlight is next week. So, uh, I guess that's it guys. So, uh, for Donnie, the professor, will I'm Josh. We are the all American spook show podcast and we will talk to you next week. Oh, uh, I got this. Does this tree look familiar? Or that <laughs> Have you just been wandering around in the circles out there this whole this whole show? Don't hike alone, right, or something like that. Is that yeah, what we're about? I never hike alone. Yeah, yeah. really. You should, you should... Abandoned house uh, with my nose in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't be hiking. I think during... I thought that might... might be out here too. <laughs> you shouldn't be hiking in the middle of a podcast. That's really the lesson learned here, buddy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. See you never. <laughs> Hopefully I'll see y'all on the next episode. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. We'll send out, we'll send out updates on over on the socials to let you know that smoke is okay. <laughs> uh, it's now 9.30, and that's lights out time. 9.30, as you know, tomorrow is Parents' Day, and you must look rested or Morty will be sent to the state penitentiary.